there appears to be a figure of somebody. Mm-hmm. Children walking with their mothers. Of older pictures, but it also shows a lot of new pictures, which, which kind of to me describes that this mural is still, there's still things being added to it, still a lot of things happening right now. It's a living piece of art. Yeah, literally. So we've kept the name and the continuing legacy. We're on the same corner, same library, same spirit, same, <laughs> yes. I mean, he had to learn the information, learn a little bit more about the facility, learn about the employees here, learn about the history of the library itself, which is a lot. Uh, I'm glad you said that about the history because now I'm wondering if, if that line on the left of the uh, mural are the three directors. Yeah, it looks like all three of them are holding like a cloth that says, we the people is, yeah, constitution. Hi, I'm Gabby Castleberry. And I'm William Solis. And we'd like to welcome you to our show, Columbus, Tell Me Where It Hurts. This season, we take on food insecurity in the Chattahoochee Valley, where one in five residents is unsure of where their next meal is gonna come from. Every episode, we examine an important aspect of food insecurity and how it affects the Columbus region. As students, we have personally faced food insecurity in our own lives and feel a passion and drive to make this project the best that it can be. If you'd like to support the pantry, you can find us on Instagram at 706 Community Pantry, where we post resources and updates on our progress. This episode, we take a tour of MLT Library, the library that will be the home of the 706 Community Pantry. We hope you enjoy episode one, a history of community. Started off at the Fourth Avenue Library, Mildred. It was renamed Mildred Terry Library in 1981. For Mr. We're here with Sylvia Bunn, the current branch manager, and we were lucky enough to spend time with her, learning about MLT, its history, and its connection to the community. I'm glad to have you here today. I understand that you'd like to know a little bit about the library. So, before we go any further, we'd like to paint a scenario for you. We're in the Deep South mid-19th century segregation. This library was built just two years before Brown versus Board of Education outlawed segregation educational facilities. This library came into existence in 1952, and it was only necessary because at that time, Columbus, Georgia, like other parts of the country, was segregated, and African Americans were not able to use the public library that existed at the time. In fact, a local author, Carson McCullers, when she found out in the 1950s that the new library that was going to be available would not be available to African Americans, she wrote a letter um, really asking that everybody, the library be for everybody, but that was not to be so at that time. And so a small library, over, just over 4,000 square feet, was built on the corner of Veterans Parkway and 7th Street as the colored 4th Avenue library. At that time, Mildred Lane Terry was the first librarian in that building. And that building existed on the corner of 7th and Veterans until 2009 when we came into this bigger building. This library has turned out lots of prominent African-American citizens, from judges to civil servants to teachers and lawyers. And so it's, it plays a very significant role in the history of this community, in the lives of African-Americans, and in the whole purpose of educating 
African-Americans in this community. It's really easy to see the kind of community outpouring that took to make this place a reality. Yeah, in the 1950s, we had a lot of different civically active African-American organizations that played a prominent role in bringing Major Terry Library to Columbus. People like Dr. and Mrs. Price Walker, StoryCorps, Dr. Thomas Malone, and Dr. Kimberly Scotts, all investors that believe that books are the tools to communicate ideas and that these tools must be handled with care and pride since ideas and concepts are precious to all mankind. So this library was built for the people, by the people, just like the 706 Community Pantry will be. Next, we kind of talk about an essential component of the library. It's diversity in art and the sense of advocacy we feel through it. The first gifts we got was this piece here, this unity piece, from the Thompson Pound Art Program. It says welcome in different languages and it really still serves a purpose um, in helping people to feel welcome when they come in. So can you tell me a little bit about the relationship with Mildred L. Terry and art here in Columbus? Well, artists have always loved being in the space. And as I said, this piece was done away from the library, but was brought into the library in 2009 when we came in. But we do have a relationship with Columbus State University, Hannah Israel and the art department. We've had visiting artists. Um, Jonathan McGregor came in and um, while he was a student at CSU, and he did an artist in residence program, which was a great hit. The children in the library enjoyed watching Jonathan work. And when he left, he left us a small body of work depicting Deborah Clark, for example, who's been at this library for 40 years at different pieces in the library. Um, Hannah usually arranges for visiting artists to come to the library and so we do have that relationship and lots of partnerships with other community uh, groups as well. We couldn't help but really feel the symbolism and the spirit of advocacy through art reflected on Najee Dorsey's work. Historic markers like the Booker T. Washington apartment homes, uh, which again were tore down back in around 2016. This to me looks like a story of struggle. There's definitely a lot of blue collar type work going on. You see uh, hammers and, and shovels, overalls, denim. Also, like when you look at these these labor workers or you look at stuff that talks about kind of like segregation or things that are happening during the civil rights movement, you see a lot of different dark colors that represent melancholy, basically, or just a sad period of time, but also really, really, really inspiring as well. I mean, it looks like they're wearing the plaque that describes the history of Mildred L. Terry Library around their neck, literally. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about this. It's, it's the texture. You have different pieces of canvas that are just coming out at you. Not only that, but you see this big yellow or goldish sign that says access on it. It's a lot bigger than a lot of different things on the mural, which kind of centers someone's attention to it. You can definitely see the scale of the project. When you look at the sign, it just stands out. It it pops out at you. It's that golden ticket. Yeah, and you could see so prominently this golden sign that said access. 
The word is so important for the work we are currently doing, and we'll see this later on in the show, that access means a multitude of things. Like when I look at it, I'm like, this is so complex, it's so diverse. And that's exactly what the history of Mildred O'Terry Library is. It's diverse, it's complex, it's a hard conversation to have, especially during the period of time that it opened up, 1953. I think there was a lot of complex issues that are being articulated in this mural. Kind of like a progression, and yeah. as you can see, some of the some of the panels are as big as other ones. So mm -hmm. you have one here that's about six inches, and one that's about four feet wide. Yeah, it's almost it's like you can see the growth. Sometimes is exponential, and sometimes not so much. And I think right now we're we're in one of those periods where the growth isn't so big as we're recovering from COVID, as we're trying to bring everybody back into a social space, everybody back into community refuges, and just trying to get that conversation started again. So when we talk about access, it wasn't just libraries. It was transportation. It was the best goods. It was being able to sit somewhere. It has historically been seen as refuge. You know, summers, when it was too hot in California, we had blackouts. So we'd go and hide out at the library and just hang out. So then, do you think that the idea of the refuge as a library has been lost? Yeah. So access, yes, access. Access is what we're fighting for. Access to, to foods, access to opportunity. And, and this is essentially what the project is about. You, you cannot have access to the upper echelons of self-actualization if you're constantly looking for your next meal, if you're constantly worried about where you're going to rest your head, if you're constantly worried about being prosecuted and persecuted for things that are beyond your control. Although racial segregation is no longer creating a divide between access to knowledge, what we're seeing now is that a lot of people in lower socioeconomic status are having a difficult time finding just the essentials like food. So what we're giving people here is access to another opportunity. We're giving them access to more opportunity because we're giving them refuge and we're helping to feed them. That's really what access to, to education was. It was a way to suppress people. And what we're doing here is we're, is we're trying to create a renaissance of access. I used to go check out like VCRs and watch like Annie and stuff like that. You can't find that anywhere anymore. <laughs> so it's so important to me. So then do you think in a lot of ways growth can happen here in a community library? Yeah, and there's a lot, there's a lot that could happen here. A community where, where, where people are able to reach out and to ask for the things that they need so that they can serve their brothers and their sisters in whatever capacity that they're able to with, with their time, with their talent, with, with things that are much more valuable than monetary endowment or things of that nature.
I learned a, a lot more about the history. I mean, when we first met her, she talked up briefly, but this time she went in, in depth. And I didn't know that there was so much background to Mildred Oterra Library. I was just thinking there's another public library here, but it's not. It's, it's a really significant place to be. As we, as we got to understand the history of the library, it just really made us much more passionate about our efforts to get people in here and for people to to know the rich history of this library and to be able to be fed not only physically but but their souls and to just kind of connect with that part of Columbus's rich history. Mildred L. Terry Library or any public library has a lot to give just as we do with this community food pantry and I think that'll serve us both well during this entire process and this experience um, with getting to know our community and assisting our community. Um, in a better and more efficient way than it has been in the past. There's such a wealth here and it's, it's such an honor to be able to be here and to add to that wealth of knowledge and community and rich history and, and to just be a part of it all. Yeah, and I think our biggest takeaway from even this process of getting this community pantry into Mildred O. Terry Library is the significance and importance of partnership within a community. I think that sense of community and the feeling of support is really what drives access because in the first place, I, I might not be even able to ask or to even reach out to those things. So, so when we when we create community, when we have a environment where it's, hey, you're my brother and you're my sister, and I'm really concerned for your well-being, then we open up access. When 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 we see equality, diversity, and advocacy, is where access begins. What's next is, is we continue to move forward as scheduled, like Gabby said, and we build these pantries and get the word out, and hopefully, um, you know, people will be more educated about Mildred Oaks Library about uh, once hearing this and be excited enough to come by and look at the mural and, and ask about its rich history and maybe pick up, you know, some canned goods or, or some pasta on their way out. Mm -hmm. So, so like you said. What's next? Work. It's time to work. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to keep up with us on Instagram, follow us at 706 Community Pantry. We'll see you next time. We're your hosts, William Solis and Gabby Castleberry. And this has been Columbus. Tell, Tell me, me where, where it hurts. hurts. Columbus, Tell Me Where It Hurts is produced by the student staff of WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communication. Thank you to Department Chair Dr. Dana Gibson and WCUG Faculty Advisor Dr. Bruce Getz. You can find more about this show by following us on Instagram at 706 Community Pantry, where we post resources and updates about this project.
You can find more shows like this one by following WCUG on Instagram at WCUG Cougar Radio. Thanks again for listening to Columbus, Tell Me Where It Hurts. Next up, accessibility.